Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. We're podcasting. The PSAs you hear on Miller and Condon and iHeartMedia Des Moines are presented in part by Nick Mick. We take care of our own. Now, here's Miller and Condon. Live from the DraftKings Sportsbook and Wild Rose Studio. This is Des Moines Sports Station. 1460 KXNO. All right, welcome back into the second hour of the program. Trent and I take you until noon on 1460 KXNO. Now on 106.3 FM. Uh, bottom of the hour, Tom Kinkert, HawkeyeReport.com. It's a big, big tilt in the Big Ten tonight. BTN's got it. 6.30, Maryland. Uh, 7.30, Maryland hosting Iowa. You can hear the game down the hall here if you can't be in front of your TV, of course, at uh, on 1040 WHO. Jordan Burnfield doing a bunch of these games. He's all over the dial, all over your television. He joins us. We'll do some hoops. I'll also get into the Chris Bryant news that br- broke yesterday. Jordan, great to catch up with you again. Trent and Ken, long time. How have you been? Doing well. How are you guys? Good to talk to you. Yeah, absolutely, Jordan. I've seen you on my television, and uh, <laughs> hey, I know that guy. We have him on a lot, but uh, good to catch up with you. You know, before we do basketball, let, let's do the Chris Bryant news from yesterday. And, you know, went the, the grievance went uh, the Cubs' way as they get another year of club control out of him, which, if indeed there is a trade on the table, obviously going to bring significantly uh, bigger return now that whoever takes him would have two years of control. Uh, is that trade out there, Jordan? Do you think that uh, that became more likely after the uh, grievance was ruled the way that it was? I do think it's more likely, and I think that the reason, guys, that when you look at where the Cubs are at and you look at what the realities are of their ownership, it's clear that the Ricketts family does not want to be further over the luxury tax, and it's clear that when you look at where they are currently, uh, they're a team that, is technically still in a winning window, but realistically um, has big-time decisions to make over the next couple of years in terms of the direction that they want to go. Obviously, last season ended with them not making the postseason, and their win total has declined in each of the last three seasons. So, you know, what what do you do if you're the Cubs about that? And one of the big questions, of course, is whether you want to sign Chris Bryant to a multi-year probably 300 plus million dollar extension. Now, with two years of control, if the Cubs choose to trade him, uh, that will only increase the value that they're able to get in return. And if they decide that they don't want to pay him in a long-term mega deal, then the question is, if you can trade Chris Bryant, can you replenish a farm system that you know now has four top 100 prospects but really has been depleted over the last few years to kind of re-trigger a second wave that they have not been able to develop otherwise. So I I feel like Chris Bryant is sort of caught up in in these several existential questions about, you know, where the Cubs are at and where the Cubs are going. And I think that when it comes to whether they're going to trade him, I do think 
that they're going to consider it uh, for the reasons I mentioned. You know, if they decide that they're not going to pay him, then having two years of control might increase the value that they could receive in a trade by that much more, uh, and that would be the reason. But but I will say, guys, if they do trade him, um, you know, it, it would be a sad thing for the Cubs. I think regardless of what they get back, because mm-hmm. Bryant has been one of the faces of this golden era of Cubs baseball, and without him, um, that you know that would that would be a line of demarcation to a new era. It, it certainly would. It would give the financial flexibility, perhaps depending on the deal that is out there. There's been you know, some wild things. Nolan Arenado not very happy with what's happening in Colorado. The problem, at least from the Cubs' perspective, he's actually owed more, more money, a lot more money than Chris Bryant. That doesn't exactly match up. More than likely, if there is a deal, do you think it's going to be a group of minor leaguers? Maybe you know one veteran type of of kind of career okay player from that's major league ready. What kind of package do you think they are going to be searching for? You know, Trent, I think it's the million-dollar question. My guess would be that, you know, I've seen the Arenado rumors like you have, and I could understand a reason for it because, obviously, Nolan Arenado is an outstanding player, and the reason for the Rockies to even entertain such a move would be that Bryant is cheaper, and they could, you know, at the end of two years decide whether or not that they want to pay him, and Nolan Arenado, they could get out of that deal, um, and then, you know, the Cubs would have to decide whether uh, the fixed cost is something that they want to invest in long-term, and Arenado would have to decide whether he wants to stay in Chicago in two years or opt out and try to get more money. So um, from that perspective, I, I think it's unlikely that that kind of a deal would happen um, because I think there's a lot of things that would have to go into it. But I think when it comes to what the Cubs want, you know, I think that they want to get young pitching. I think that they want to add to their young offense. I think they want to be prospect rich again and they're not and you know what they have currently they still have a mix of talented players which i think you know obviously are going to put them in some level of contention but the risk when you're the cubs and knowing the way theo epstein and jed hoyer think because they've said this publicly often is that you don't want to be paying contracts to guys who are going to be declining in performance after the age of 30 and so many of the players that made up this young core that helped them win the World Series in 2016 are that much older now. And so the question is, do you want to be paying Chris Bryant 30-whatever million dollars a year when he's 33 or 34 years old as opposed to you know the fact that you really had him on a, on a sweetheart deal for the last few years in a, in a time period where his performance was either MVP level or close? So... You know, those are tough questions, and I think the Cubs, because of the deals they've made with players like Jason Hayward and Yu Darvish, you know, have not seen the return on their last two massive free agent investments that they did, for instance, on John Lester, who I think is probably the best free agent signing in the history of the franchise. Mm. So, you know, do you then decide to go way over the luxury tax and keep all these guys? And I, I think that the answer is no. I think Tom Ricketts has clearly made it known that the Cubs are just, they're not willing to be that kind of payroll. And so if that's the case, you know, that's where this whole Bryant thing comes in. Do you then just say, well, if we can't sign him and we're not going to sign him to 300 plus million dollars, then what are we going to get? Because 
you can't let the guy go for nothing. Hmm. You know, it's it's, it's timing wise, it's it's kind of uh, different as well, right? They're they're about to launch a new television network, and you'd think that they'd want to go in there with, you know, their guys, the faces of that franchise. And I know Rizzo's Rizzo, and we've seen Baez take huge steps forward, but Chris Bryan. Uh, I'll defer to you, but seemingly got to be right up there amongst the most popular players. And if you will march him out to a new team, you're launching this television network with, yeah, you've got former players on there, but a whole bunch of, of faces that, you know, quite honestly, sh- people don't realize. And we're used to Cappy on there, right? Uh, we're used to, uh, <laughs> we're, we're used to Kelly Kroll, all, but now they got all these faces. And it's not only the faces on the TV, but the ones that are playing uh, for the Cubs. Different timing for this marquee network if they're not going with their best foot forward. Well, you know, yes. Um, and I do think that, you know, it, it was clear that, uh, that the marquee network was not. You know, based on the hires they've made, I think it's it's a fair thing to say that you know hiring from within the Chicago market was not a priority uh, for them. But you know, in terms of um, just having a channel that you want people to buy, right? I mean, they still are not on Comcast in Chicago, which represents about sixty percent of the market. So right now, if this if this network were to go on the air today, most Chicagoans would not have it. And so I think that, you know, that's been part of the derision that was experienced at Cubs convention when, you know, people were saying, you know, people were booing Tom Ricketts when that was brought up. And I know that that became sort of a viral moment, but Mm -hmm. I think people fear change, right? And people also um, fear the unknown. And I think that with this, there is some unknown, whether they're going to be on most people's televisions in the Chicagoland area by spring training, by launch date, by opening day. None of us know the answers to these questions, and so I think that that's caused part of it. But, you know, the other thing is, when you start a television network that is your own, then what you're saying to your fan base is, you know, this is a way that to generate revenue so that we can maintain a level of excellence that is typically enjoyed by the other teams that have them, right? The Dodgers, the Red Sox, the Yankees. And, and I guess the Mets are the only teams in baseball other than the Cubs that would really have their own regional sports network that is dedicated to them or owned in part by them. And so the commonality of all those teams is that they're consistently investing in trying to be as good as they can be. And so I think to go into an era where you're starting a television network but also be simultaneously in an era where you're in a winning window but not fully investing in the product on the field and therefore, you know, to some fans uh, punting on what could be two years of possible World Series contention, um, you know, that's where I think that the frustration has come in. So um, I think that, you know, some of this is a little bit fan-generated and maybe a little bit less than the exact reality of it. However, um, I think that the feelings of people about the uncertainty and about you know where this team is headed with a new network coming in uh, are valid because there is a lot of unknown, and when there is unknown among sports fan bases, people aren't happy about it. Lineup still looks pretty good. You throw Brian in there with Rizzo and Baez and Schwarber and Contreras. Hap maybe uh, seeing more at-bats. Hayward certainly had a resurgence. Nico Horner maybe that eighth spot. It's a good lineup. If... This team keeps their head above water, and they're playing well. And this is a team, until the final 10 games of the season, was still there for a playoff berth. Though the flexibility financially isn't there, if there is a big 
guy out there in the trade market and they'd have to pay for him? Do you think they'd be willing to do that? Say we get to June or July and that happens. Well, I think the precedent for that, Trent, would be that they were willing to go out and sign Craig Kimbrell midseason last year Mm -hmm. when they felt like he was going to be the one to put them over the top. Now, obviously, he didn't, and he did not perform well, and that hurt the Cubs uh, down the stretch. Um, The one thing I would say about their lineup is I agree that by name, they certainly have a good lineup. And I'm not saying that they don't have a good lineup, but I think that one of the things that we've seen over the last two years is that they're flawed, and they're flawed in a lot of the same ways, right? They don't make enough contact, they strike out a lot, and they have not generated enough consistency as an offense because of their approach. So I agree. The Cubs can make a valid argument that this year, despite their flaws, if things go right, you know they could certainly be in contention and win this division, and you never know, right? But I think that what we've seen over the last two seasons, and you know, you guys have heard me say this many times on your show, one of the beauties of baseball is that there's such a large sample size that you usually are what the numbers tell you you are, mm-hmm. right? So I think that the last two years have shown us overwhelming evidence that while, yes, the Cubs do have a lot of offensive talent, and yes, there are many individuals on the roster that any team would want, that collectively they are flawed in the same way, and as a result – they have not been able to generate the kind of offense that one might expect from the players on the roster. Therefore, you know, yeah, sure, they could be a pretty good offense team, but I think that that would be, um, you know, antithetical to what we've seen that they are over the last two seasons. Hmm. Jordan Burnfield's our guest. Jordan, let's uh, do here and now, and will baseball be here before we know it, thankfully? But right now we're in the throes of college basketball season. It's certainly keeping you busy. Uh, Baylor was in Ames last night, uh, taking on Iowa State. They're the number one team in the country. They don't feel like they are, but somebody's got to hold that distinction. I guess where I'm going, Jordan, is there really is no standout team by uh, by uh, any measure, I don't think. And I think that's okay. I think it's okay. This is going to be kind of a different march through February and then into the month of March. Uh, do you see it the same way? Have you seen a dominant team uh, in college basketball this year? Yeah, no, I, I definitely have not. And I would agree with you that it's okay that there is not a dominant team. But I think that to make that assertion, you have to decide what you want, right? I mean, I think last year, the fact that Duke was this high-powered star-driven, quote-unquote, dominant team was good for the sport in that it got so many people who might not have been interested in college basketball talking about college basketball all the time because, you know, with Zion Williamson and R.J. Barrett and Cam Reddish, they were this traveling roadshow to college basketball, right? Everybody wanted to see, you know, what they were doing and how they were doing it, and Zion was, you know, one of the most incredible um, college basketball players I've ever seen in his single year um, at Duke, the you know the difference this year is that there isn't a team like that, as you said. And Baylor is a really good team, and I think what Scott Drew has done is phenomenal. I think he's been really one of the underrated coaches in college basketball for a while, and I think that they've got size and they've got shooting and they've got you know all the kinds of things that you'd want to see from a really good team. But I think we all know that they're not. They're certainly not a dominant team, and you know this year has been sort of a strange year, right? I mean, at the beginning of the year, we thought North Carolina was going to be one of the best teams in the country with Cole Anthony, mm-hmm. and now he's hurt, and Carolina's having one of its worst seasons, you know, in the last 25 years. And Ohio State in December looked like it was going to be, 
you know, one of the best teams in the country, and they've totally slid uh, as the Big Ten schedule is flipped around. So, you know, I think that it's probably good for the drama of the tournament that there is no dominant team because you could make a lot of arguments for several teams. And I think that, you know, what we might see is that the bottom of the tournament um, could end up winning a few more games Mm -hmm. just because there's more equality there. Um, But, you know, I think it's fun, but, you know, you have to just decide if you're a college basketball fan or if you're interested at all uh, what you want to see. And so I think some people would say, well, this stinks because I want to see a dominant team. Um, but I, I like the upsets, and, I, you know, I, as you guys know, I cover a lot of mid-major basketball, yep. so I think it's cool when mid-majors get their chance to shine. I think this is the year my wife's going to have a very good chance to win, to, to win the bracket competition. <laughs> <laughs> really right. right. Pick the best uniform, right? Yeah, exactly. Illinois, your home state school there, uh, playing incredibly well. Kofi Coburn has been a big help oh, inside. Fun to watch. And uh, Desumu is as good as uh, anybody in college basketball right now way he's played and what he's done down the stretch of a bunch of different games. They're winning the close ones. Underwood's done a lot to kind of change what they do, both inside defensively and offensively. That program here, overachieving Illinois, or is this just a team with the talent finally putting it together? I mean, it's an interesting question, Trent. I mean, it might be a little bit of both. Um, But, you know, however it's occurring, Illinois has been a great story. You know, I, I was really high on them going into the season. I felt like um, this was going to be a team that could be really good. Obviously, nobody, I think, really knew how good Kofi Coburn was going to be. Um, I mean, yes, he played at, you know, Christ the King in, uh, in the Bronx, which is an excellent, uh, high school program over the last couple of years. But, you know, we didn't really know, um, that he was going to be this, like, monster, um, double doubles kind of player and that he was going to really solidify things on the inside. But what it's done is now you've got, Bishanishvili, who can stretch the floor. You've got Coburn on the inside. I think Io Desunmu has become that star guard that Illinois was hoping they were getting when he signed on. And, you know, I look no further than uh, the end of that game at Michigan last yeah. weekend when, you know, in the last possession of the game, he's got the ball and drills the shot to win it. So, you know, we saw that a little bit from Illinois last year. I sort of felt like at this time last year was when the switch started to flip for Illinois. And so they started to believe that they were good. And, you know, one of the things about this, guys, and you know this from covering college sports, is they're still kids, right? Like, Mm -hmm. you need something to make you believe that you're good and that you can win and you can validate the feelings of these kids. And then all of a sudden, you know, they start to play with a ton of confidence and believe that they can beat anybody. And I think we're seeing that. And listen, the Big Ten has a terrible road record among teams playing against each other. But Illinois has been really one of the only teams that has been winning on the road, right? They won at Purdue. They crushed Purdue at Mackey, which is hard to do. They won at Wisconsin. They won at Michigan. I mean, they've got some real strong wins. So, you know, maybe they're coming on faster than people thought they would. But, you know, listen, Brad Underwood um, is a good coach, and, you know, his – tenure um, in other places would suggest that he has been able to turn it around fairly quickly. And uh, this was Josh Whitman's guy really from the start, the athletic director there, wanted Brad, wanted him to lead the program. 
and it's clear that, that the arrow is pointing up. They're a very, very good team. Indeed, on the heels of a very good football season for, for Lovey and company as they get to a bowl game. Uh, Jordan, listen, we are out of time. Thank you very much. Just uh, 10 seconds. Who do you like Sunday? Um, I think I like the Chiefs, but I think you... I'm just rooting for Mahomes. Gotcha. So. <laughs> it's a toss-up game, no doubt about it. Jordan, great to catch up with you. Look forward to doing it again real soon, my friend. Appreciate it. You got it, guys. Take care. And, uh, and to you, Jordan Burnfield, uh, joining us from Chicago. We come back, Tom Caker. Illinois noon Sunday, right? Illinois yes, Iowa yes. noon on right. Sunday. Ooh. Back in Carver. So Maryland tonight, Illinois on Sunday. Yikes. Does that mean we're going to get a snowstorm Sunday? Yes, is the okay. answer. All right. if, if it goes according to uh, the way it's gone. All right, Trent, let's do it. It's time to pay your bills with iHeartRadio and 1460KXNO along with 106.3 FM. It's my favorite keyword. Text the keyword JOCK to 200-200 right now for your chance to win $1,000. That's JOCK to 200-200. You'll get a confirmation text and info. Standard data and message rates apply in this nationwide well, contest. Why, why is JOCK? Yeah, you know what? I'm just thinking that. If people don't know what I uh, what used right. to work and uh, they just found this radio station. They're, they're saying, what is this yeah. gentleman talking about? Right. You enjoy JOCKs? No. Jock straps? No. Well, Jockies? I mean, when I play hockey. Yeah, yeah. Uh, no, I used to work at the jock. That's what it is. Yes, okay. that's what it is. That was the precursor to this yeah. behemoth. Uh, we will take a time out. Tom Cakert will join the program. Maryland, Iowa. Jackson on the heels of a 29-point come from... That's why I love Southwest Trent. Watching the game on the plane. Saw the whole thing. Saw the whole thing. It was terrific. All right, we'll take a time out. We'll come back. We'll catch up with Tom Cakert. Uh, how does he see this one tonight? HawkeyeReport.com. Miller and Condon till noon. Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 KXNO. And on com. Ken Miller, Trent Condon. Miller and Condon on 1460 KXNO. And now on 106.3 FM. Condon, just past 11.30, Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 KXNO, and now on 106.3 FM as we take you up until noon. Tom Caker at HawkeyeReport.com joins the program. We'll pick Tom's brain on how he's going to play the Super Bowl, because we know he is. Uh, We'll do that before we get out of here, but we'll start with this just massive, massive game, standings-wise. Now, I was just looking by. It's good to talk to you, Tom. Uh, During the break, I I jumped on I was uh, on on ESPN.com, went to the Hawks uh, page. If you looked at the last 11 games, I mean, there's really only one breather, and that breather picked them off over in Lincoln. Um, Boy, oh boy, Tom, it's daunting right illinois still twice michigan state purdue twice i gotta go to indiana who am i missing penn Penn state uh, penn state's playing at home uh tom this last 11 games maybe one that you'd consider a breather uh in these final 11 get tied on yeah i i did a little uh story um the other day on iowa's ncaa resume where it's at now and then where it might go and you know given where all the big 10 teams pretty much 12 uh, of them i think we're in the top 45 um there's a lot of quad one wins in there and in fact 
there Iowa has eight quad one games left, two Jeez. quad two games, and then um, and then the Nebraska game, which <laughs> will be a quad three. So their resume is pretty good right now. You know, uh, depending on where Wisconsin falls in the net, I mean, they went down to thirty one, so they took a, a quad one away from them, but still five and three, six and three. Uh, nine and three in, uh, if you count quad one, quad two. So they've got a lot that they could add to their uh, already pretty, I think, pretty good resume. It's incredible what they're going to have. I guess the concern, well, we've seen Fran's teams in the past. A couple of them have faded down the stretch. And the other thing is there's no depth on this team. I mean, they, they are hanging on by a strand right now. There's not a whole lot of different directions that they can go. One more injury really could derail things for the squad. Yeah, but uh, here's uh, the other side of that. They were without C.J. Frederick the last time they played Maryland and beat them by 18. Wow. <laughs> you know, hmm. uh, that's that's just, you know, I, I don't know that you can expect that, but <laughs> I think Maryland just got caught in a bad spot. Yeah. Was that a Friday night? It was. It was a Friday night, yeah, yeah. Yeah, they just kind of, they just can't, kind of came out, and you could tell in the first five minutes, they just, they were elsewhere. <laughs> and, um they just didn't play well, and Iowa played really well. Joe Wieskamp had his, maybe his best game of his career, the double-double, and uh, Luca did Luca things. And um, But, yeah, they're just uh, – they're in a stretch right now, starting with that Monday game, of five games in 13 days. Mm. And that's – you know, you're playing essentially seven guys. I mean, Cordell played five minutes the other night, right, and right. he's hardly playing. Um, in a physical and, conference like the Big Ten, Tom. Yeah, and and Fran even talked about it on his teleconference the other day. Uh, I guess it was yesterday morning, uh, where you know he just said, "No days off," mm-hmm. you know, and they just kind of have to figure out at some point when they can get um, days off for the guy because there's there's it's mandated, but it's you can kind of there's some play around the the mm-hmm. edges where you could have taken a day off or two days off last week and it would count for this week kind of thing and then so they'll just keep going with no days off and then Mm. the week after that they'll sneak in a day off nice (laughs) uh tom kicker is our guest well uh jalen smith speaking of career highs i don't know if uh, 29 on sunday was his career high if not it's got to be very close to it uh he was as as responsible as anyone for the uh uh, picking off uh indiana late in that basketball game on sunday smith's playing out of his mind they're not a very deep team either wiggins is their sixth man off the bench and he's essentially their only i mean i think smith jr plays a little bit but uh they're not, Maryland's not a real deep team as well, but Smith Gars is worth. Uh, if you look, if you're if you're not a basketball fan, uh, Smith Gars is worth tuning in for because this one, as most nights in the Big Ten, with all the depth of the bigs in this conference, Smith Gars is going to be real good. Yeah, and you remember in the first meeting, um, you know the the first minute or so, Jalen Smith had his way with Luca, knocked around a couple shots, and you know, kind of gotten. You know, it seemed like Luca might have been in over his head, and then. All of a sudden, there goes Luca, and he ends up with twenty-one and thirteen. And Smith has thirteen and three, but really wasn't all that effective. Um, but then, you know, you watch uh, uh, Smith on Jalen Smith on Sunday, and you know, he's knocking down threes and making all kinds of plays, playing with a ton of confidence right now. To me, I think the key guy is Anthony Cowan for Maryland. It, it just seems how he goes, so go the Terps and. The first 
meeting against Iowa, he had nine points, three assists, three turnovers. He just didn't seem all that active. Uh, but then, you know, you go back to, um, you know, two years or last year or two years ago, I guess, when, when Iowa played at Maryland, he has 15 points, seven assists, no turns and, and, and Iowa gets beat. Um, it's kind of handled, uh, over in, uh, College Park. So, Luca Garza going, quote-unquote, home. I mean, it's not exactly home, D.C., where he played high school ball, but he's going to be playing close. Uh, I've I've heard Tony Kornheiser talk about him, a D.C. guy, about Luca Garza and what he's done here. This feels like an important one, though, for Luca Garza, I'm sure, and, and the impact, uh, National Player of the Year race, those types of things. A big one there. Also, Joe Toussaint, going back to the East Coast. He got a little uneven against Penn State, got too fast, coming on the heels of his best game, in a Hawkeye uniform, those two East Coasters going back close to home. Yeah, I think it's a big game. It's Lucas talked about it in the past. I think two years ago he talked about it, and he didn't play great in that first trip out there. Of course, he was a you know a true freshman, so it, you know you don't know what to expect. But he had six points in that game and one rebound, and just really didn't get going. Uh, so I know that he wants to have a big performance uh, in front of the home folks. It's not. <laughs> You know, it's a lot closer than you think. It's, um, you know, driving wise, it's probably, you know, 30 minutes from DC, but, um, you know, as the crow flies, it's probably about 10 miles. So it's, uh, as close as he's going to, uh, get to, uh, um, get to play in a home game this year. And it's, uh, it's certainly a, a huge game for him. And, and Joe, you know, playing on the East Coast, it's big for him too. Mm. And, you know, those, the thing he love about Tucson, Boy, he he chirps a lot during games. He just yeah. he's always chirping when things are going. Mm, Frederick too. I like that about both of those young guys. Uh, yeah, thirty minutes if there's no traffic, uh, it, could, it could be a nightmare. Hey, you know, Tom, help me out with this one. The, the Davison suspension it certainly was warranted. So, what happened? Yeah. Do you think does does uh, when when the technical comes out to the is I'm sure that there's. Or maybe there isn't. I know that you know when there's an ejection in baseball, the umpires have to fill out a report. How did that get to the league that caused them to um, to take the actions that they did? Is that something that Iowa asks for? Um, do you know behind the scenes? We know what the incident that precipitated the suspension, but how does it get from where it did to the to where the result uh, came yesterday with the one game suspension? Do you know? I'm going to guess that. Uh, the the league re- reviews all of the uh, uh, flagrants okay. and to see if it's worthy of a suspension. That that is my guess. Yeah, that it, would seem what's right. interesting is Rick Boyajis, who kind of oversees all the officials in the Big Ten, uh, was at the game on uh, uh, the other night against Wisconsin. He was uh, he was sitting up in Press Road near us, and I saw him there. So. Um, you know, he's a guy that's going to be intimately involved in that because he evaluates the officials in the league for basketball. So I would imagine that, um, that kind of precipitated things. Here's my sense on it. I, because, you know, I noticed a lot, especially a lot of Illinois fans were complaining because their guy got two, two game suspension and they were wondering why Davidson wasn't getting suspended. My sense, they were waiting for, uh, Wisconsin to do something. And mm. Wisconsin just decided we're not going to suspend Interesting. him. So, um, uh, so the league had to step in uh, yesterday afternoon and just say, you know, we're going to sit him for a game. 
Wisconsin loses Kobe King. He doesn't travel yeah. to Iowa City. Announces yesterday he's going to be transferring out of the program. I wonder doing what's it. behind that. Yeah, in the middle of the season, says it's not a good fit. Well, I mean, you're a Wisconsin kid that went there. Mm-hmm. You know what Wisconsin, what their style is. If they don't make the tournament this year, could Barry Alvarez pull the Band-Aid off? Greg Gard, a guy that he was basically forced into taking on as a coach and go in a different direction? Yeah, because... Bo Ryan pulled the old uh, Dean Smith trick yes. with Bill Guthridge back yep. in the day, where he just you know he resigns at a time when you couldn't go out and find another coach. I mean, it was during the season, so it's like he had to just let this guy you know finish out. And Greg Gard did well, and Barry's hands were tied. You know, he couldn't couldn't just say, "Well, we're just going to look in a different direction." Uh, Gard kind of earned the job, but I don't know that they're going to pull the plug on him just yet. I, I. But having said that, he's probably not Barry's first choice. Uh, I think Barry probably want at that point probably wanted to make a run at Tony Bennett and see if he could mm-hmm. get him. I don't think he can get him out of there. But I think if you if you're pulling the plug on a guy, you got to have a pretty good idea um, who you're going to go to. And I don't know if Barry has a good idea about that. I you know basketball's really not his world. It's, he's a football guy, so I don't know if he's got an idea about some other coach that he thinks could upgrade and but they've got a pretty good recruiting class coming in um uh next year uh with a couple of really good players ben carlson and uh stephen kroll and a couple other guys the davis twins out of lacrosse and uh, so he's got some some talented kids coming in and he's even got a couple of kids in 2021 already committed so um i think the big thing for wisconsin is they just haven't recruited that great until this class of 2020 and 2021. Hmm. Well, Tom, five Hawkeyes will have an opportunity to win a Super Bowl ring, a minimum of two will. Uh, do you know if Coach Ferentz is going to the football game with all those Hawks on the uh, on, on the field for Super Bowl 54? Do you know if he's going? I, I don't know. I know uh, I know one assistant coach will be there, and that will be Jay Neiman. He is pretty yeah, excited to be going. Uh, <laughs> yes, yeah. and, you know, he, he might have a rooting interest in the game. <laughs> yeah, free tickets, and, uh, too. Of course, former Hawk Bruce Kittle will have a rooting mm-hmm. interest in the game as well. Um, but I, I don't know if uh, I don't know if Kirk is going. I doubt he's probably going to go. But, gotcha. you know, maybe he will. What's your betting interest in the game? Uh, I'm on the uh, I'm on the uh, diners in this game. I just mm-hmm. I, I just always ride with the better defense uh, can can get you a win and and um, you know the way they've run the ball, it's just it's hard to stop that. And I, I just don't know that Kansas City has as explosive as Mahomes is and as great as he is. I just it, I just kind of see like their Niners are going to grind this one out, uh, run the ball. Uh, they got enough there to do it and they've shown me that they can do it and i just think they're going to win the game final note on the hawkeye front wrestling tomorrow night in carver number two penn state comes to town against number one iowa this thing has been sold out for a while there's going to be fifteen thousand four hundred packed in there plus a whole lot more uh doesn't sound like Marin's going to be able to go at 141 but should be a great environment inside a carver and people that you know, they watch a basketball game and say, you know, that place just doesn't get loud. It's going to be loud tomorrow night. Oh, it's going to be wild there. And, you know, that's, you know, Penn State is the measuring stick. They are Iowa under Gable at this point, um, you know, just the, the powerhouse. And this is a chance for uh, Iowa to kind of reassert their, uh, I don't know, supremacy, but just that, the, that hey, we're here. 
and um, I, I think this is going to be just a lot of fun uh, tomorrow night uh, at uh, at Carver Hawkeye Arena. By the way, do you guys want a good prop bet that William Hill has? Yes. Lay it on yes, us, please. He, this one is awesome. It's my favorite prop bet okay. that they have on their app. And there's 800 it is, of them. Uh, it, and it is uh, Iowa points scored on Sunday or George Kittle receiving yards. So 70 against Illinois, Kittle gets 72. That's a, that's a good problem. That's a very juicy one. You get the Iowa involvement there. Yeah, I, I love good. that. The thing is, there there is kind of an end mark for Iowa. I mean, best case scenario, they score 90-95 at home against Illinois. Where Kittle, he's going up against the Chiefs defense that is terrible against tight ends this year. He could go for 140, 150, 160, on and on and on. Because well, of that, if he maybe, does, then I like my side and Tom's. Yes, but I, I might be leaning Kittle just because of that, because there kind of is an end mark for Iowa basketball. They're, they're over under for Kittle receiving yards as a prop bet is 71 and a half. 71 and a half. Uh, interesting. And on that number, I think I was going to score more than that against Illinois. It's a good one. It is. It should be a good one. Uh, and you'll be there, Tom, to cover it at noon uh, for HawkeyeReport.com, Maryland, Iowa tonight, the final 11. Get tied on, folks. It is going to be an unbelievable stretch uh, of basketball in the Big Ten. Tom, thank you. We'll uh, get you back on Friday. Thank you for being flexible. Friday next week, appreciate uh, your flexibility coming on today, Tom. Thank you. Absolutely. Thanks, guys. Yeah, good to talk to you. Tom Kakert, HawkeyeReport.com. Kittle, Iowa versus Illinois, Kittle receiving. That's a good one. Boy, William Hill, 800 of them. 800 of them. Now, the, you uh, stopped by Prairie and picked up the, it looks like a program. It is, yeah. It's eight and a half. It could be a racing program, only it's eight and a half it's by 14. It's 10 sheets. It's their wagering menu Jeez. is what they called it, and I have been diving through this You one know what here. I liked about it to, when you showed it to me? You, you open it up, and on the very first page, <laughs> get you ready for next year. Oh, They've absolutely. They've got the Super Bowl odds for 2021. Uh, run, run, down those, run down the local four. Uh, so the Chiefs are the favorite next year. They are. they Them, the 49ers, and Ravens, the three co-favorites, all at 7-1. But of the local four, the Chiefs, yes. the Chiefs are and they're 7-1, to one, you said? They're 7-1. to one. And then the Vikings. The Vikings are 25-1. to one. Packers are, are such a popular team. Are they the same? They're 15-1. to one. Are they're they ahead really? Of them. Yeah, 15-1. to one. And what about, what about your Bears, 25 or 30? Well, you can waste your money at 30-1 to one on that uh-huh. one. Uh, where, do they, where do they have the other local team, the fifth local team? The fifth local team? Denver. <laughs> Your team is what you're talking about. That's what about. I meant. Yeah, that's what 50 I meant. to 1. 50 to 1. 25 to 1 to win the AFC. All right. We'll come back. We'll, uh, well, Trent will go on rec. Are you playing this game tonight? I am playing this well, game. We'll this find evening. out how he's playing that when we come back. Only have a couple of minutes left as we have one more segment to go. Miller and Condon on Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 KXNO, and now on 10. Become a dream builder. Miller and Condon, final couple of minutes of the program on a Thursday. Murph and Andy coming up at 2. Fanatics in at 4. Cyclone Fanatic radio program tonight, I believe, is at 6 o'clock. Uh, we'll get Trent's pick and it's just uh, in a second. Uh, Penn National Gaming, which purchased 50% stake in Barstool Sports oh, okay. for $225 million. Their stock is up 20% since they made that announcement. So evidently, 
lot of people out there thinking that Penn National and Barstool will be a marriage that will work. Uh, we'll see. It's sports and uh, certainly changing sports wagering. Anyways, um, speaking of which, Maryland is how big of a favorite tonight? They are favored by five and a half. It's a lot, Trent. I didn't think it would be that many. It's a big number. It is a big number. It's a, it's a, I mean, you know what the road's like in the Big Ten. Mm-hmm. Though that has changed a little bit here the last couple yep. weeks. Yeah, it certainly has. We've seen more teams go on the road and be able to find ways mm-hmm. to give victories. Maryland did it on Sunday when uh, mm-hmm. they were on the road in Bloomington. Uh, Illinois played well on the road. Will the Hawks tonight? I don't think so. Oh, man. I don't think that they will. I Do they keep it close? Tom brought up a good point. It was something I had in my notes for today. Anthony Cowan really played poorly in mm, that game. Yes, he did. I don't anticipate that's going to happen again. Yeah, because that was all, was that twenty points or so? it was it was yeah. a big big number. Yeah, they I just it was it was throttling. They uh-huh. couldn't shoot. They looked lost offensively. The first five minutes of the game, you, I remember thinking, "Ooh, I was in trouble." Yes, we got down eight two. I think it was something like ten two, something yeah. in that range. And then from there, Maryland couldn't do anything. I texted you uh, at the end of that game. I what a remember. terrible game change! Because you bet on Maryland. That's right. I did, I did bet on Maryland in that one too. So uh, we'll see if we can even my record of five hundred <laughs> for Hawkeyes. Though let's hope that I am wrong once again. What's it going to take, though? I mean, who's the guy? Wieskamp was really good in that game. I think mm-hmm. he made five three pointers. Garza was Garza. You're going to get that. But out of the next kind of tier of guys, who do you think? Needs to step up well, and able to get, pull it. Can you get eight or ten out of McCaffrey? He does a lot of things. I'm not mm-hmm. killing his game, but it wouldn't hurt to hit score. a couple open threes. Yeah, hit a couple of those. Right, uh, Frederick. Mm, yeah, Creener didn't, didn't play well against uh, Wisconsin the other right. night. He didn't score. He didn't and Frederick play. didn't play against Maryland last time. Good point. Yep, that's a good point. That was one of the games he missed. I, uh, fingers crossed. It's such a great conference this year. It really is fun to watch. And we've got a big one tonight, 7.30 on Big Ten Network or on your radio down the hall here on 1040 WHO. Murph and Andy at 2, Fanatics at 4. Trent and I will do a whole bunch on the Super Bowl. A lot of our football guests will join us tomorrow as we'll cram them all in. On a Friday that will start as it always does, at least local radio-wise, with the morning rush. Miller and Condon, uh, 10 to noon on Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 KXNO, and now in 106.3.